Where celebrities are concerned a lot of times, especially now, we're very curious about what they look like when it's all stripped away. Uh-huh. I don't think there's anybody out there who wants to know what Dolly looks like without her wig on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Lainey. I'm the founder of LaineyGossip.com. I'm a talk show host in Canada and also an entertainment reporter. And I can do more than just moan. Uh, hi, I'm Duanna Taha. I am a television screenwriter. I'm a little distracted right now because all I can think of is how I'm going to goad you into exploring <laughs> this new part of your personality. Today, we are talking about the work of phone sex operators and maybe the work expected of their clients. I mean, I think there's a fine line between phone sex operator and what may sound like a really erudite Siri just there. I'm not sure. We'll get into it. Uh, plus, we are discussing the incredible unifying affection for Dolly Parton that seems to spread across genres, across ages, across just about anybody who consumes her. Which is why she is coming out with a new Christmas album and Duanna just called her Santa Claus. Wait for it. I promise you the thesis holds up. We will get into that plus much more. This is Show Your Work. So, okay. You know what I was thinking about the other day? Here's what I've discovered. I don't know how much going back and watching you are doing in the pandemic, like things that you missed or that you should have seen or done or consumed like as a percentage. No, because we what I do go back and watch is like if I'm watching a current show and there was like a hot scene or whatever, I go back or I've just binged the show and now I'm going back to episode one and it's a new show. Do you mean like a show we know? Is this a Korean drama? Were you like, no, 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 I just need to start again. I it's need a- to experience that all again. Yeah, it's a Korean drama. Okay. All right. I gotcha. Yeah. So wait, where did you stop? Like episode what? Like, did you well, stop or did you do the whole first season first? I did the whole first season first and now I'm just rewatching from episode one. And now I've watched the first season now twice. No, three times. I mean, I actually, I really endorse that behavior. Like sometimes you just need to soak it in again. Um, Mm -hmm. But I had the opposite experience the other night. So like when you're trying to triangulate what you want to see and you can't quite get there, you know, it's like, eh, not exactly comedy, not exactly this deep HBO show, whatever. Long story short, um, I watched Game Night for the first time. Oh, yeah. You've seen this movie, right? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Well, Jesse Plemons, who is in everything, is great in that movie. 
not only is Jesse Plemons great in that movie, but he shares a fucking scene with Kyle Chandler, who's Coach Taylor. Uh Like, that's an FNL reunion. Sharon Horgan, who I'm obsessed with, is in it. There's so, so many great parts to that movie. And yet, I mean, it's we could have a whole conversation. But what I realized is that the reason I missed it at the time is that it was released um, in and around, I think, within a week of Black Panther. Right. It was like counter programming to Black Panther. It was not. And nobody in it was also like an Oscar contender. It was an also ran at that time. Right. So. Anyway, it's it is such a pleasurable experience to kind of watch something after the fact, but and know that you kind of missed it and that's okay. So now you're just seeing it on its own merits. Yeah. Um, And so like now I think I might care about uh, what did I miss? I definitely missed Tiger King. I'm trying to make a list of other things I just took a powder on and I'm delighted to go back to. I want I want you to contribute to a list with me. Well, the movie that I definitely feel like everybody talked about, but I didn't watch and it's for sure on my list is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I think I'm going to make that a project. Let's say, let's say before Labor Day. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, I think I'm trying to think of what else I've, I've really got on the agenda. Like there are some that are around, you know, like I haven't gotten into P Valley yet or whatnot. And you know, that stuff and you're like, okay, but I'm still within my window. I mean, the ones that just utterly and completely passed you by. Um, so, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to find one that is purely for, for amusement and doesn't count as like Emmy's homework. Cause that was such a delight to just be like, this is just for the sake of it. There's no part of the cultural conversation that I can influence by knowing this. You know what I've been, I've been noticing or missing out on is like you, when I watch most things in English, I can have my phone at the same time. Right, 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 right. And you can, or laptop, and you can kind of do two or three things and watch and still. But since a lot of the things I've been watching lately are not in English. Yep. You have to you, do only one thing. Just one thing. That's right. So there is an upside, more of an upside to it, which is you're paying attention. You're just really focused on one thing. The downside is though, I feel like I'm behind. Like I feel like the well, I spent 10 hours binging another Korean show this weekend. And uh, and I I feel like I in that 10 hours, I missed out on what was happening on Twitter and text messages and whatnot. Right, 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 right. I mean, but it, it there's probably a like if we were some sort of New York Times therapy podcast, they would tell you like, that's OK, let that go. Those are things you don't need. Um, but I know what you mean. I know that feeling of like, why don't I have this? I, it, yeah, it, it is a little bit like it, today I had to do some clumsy Googling. I was like, if I was, if I was truly on the up with Twitter, I would know the shorthand for the word for this thing that I'm looking for. Um, but that's okay. I'm willing for, for Rachel McAdams and Sharon Hargan to have had those, those two hours. I feel okay about it. Um, but I feel like I want more like throwbacks that I missed. If there's, if there's something you yelled at me about in the past couple of years to watch, I will take it. 
Okay, so on this new episode, um, a work angle that I'm currently obsessed with is working as a phone sex operator during the pandemic. And there's this article in the cut that I sent to you. I also linked to on the website. You that like was written by threw it to me as <laughs> as soon as you possibly could. Yes. Um, it was written for the cut by Emily Brobrow, and uh, the title, A Nice Voice and a Good Moan, Demand for Paid Phone Sex is Rising, So is Supply. So this is a job for a lot of people and for people who are very good at it. It is a lucrative job, but not that many people are good at it. And that is what's interesting to me is that you think that there are jobs that you could just breeze through. And I feel like phone sex operating jobs are, is a job that people will be like, oh, fuck, all you just have to do, all you have to do is just moan. Right. But I mean, I guess that is, why do you think we think that about phone sex operators? Is it one of those careers that hasn't been like shown on television or film in a long while? So we have a 1980s view of what that looks like. I think yes, but I also think that when it is shown, it isn't, quote, respected. Right. Go on. And we're seeing it from the perspective of it's, you know, obviously it's involved, it's like sexually connected. So there's already a stigma or judgment or whatever. So there's number one. And then number two, I think it's not respected because in a way, I do think that there are people who feel like the the operators are taking advantage of something. Like it's a sense, a certain manipulation. Okay. Because it's paid, right? Okay. And it, yeah. We've all been like there where one, you know, you call the a psychic hotline and it's 95 cents a minute. And there is an attachment to scam, the word scam in that, where it is so expensive, it gets racked up. The whole point is keeping people on the phone. So I think that the disrespect comes a little bit from that too. Okay. But here's what's so interesting about that. Like the most unusual thing about you sending that piece and it landing in my inbox is that it was phone sex. Like it wasn't, um, cam girls or guys. It wasn't like yeah. an OnlyFans, right? Um, and so what was most interesting about it to me was the idea that, because uh, I think there is a scam involved in, I don't think there is a scam involved. I think there's the tone of scam involved in phone sex in the way that there isn't with camming or, uh, or with OnlyFans or whatever, because of course of the phone. You can't uh -huh. see the person. That's what the mystery is. That's where the scam comes in, right? Right. If I hire some OnlyFans, if I log on to somebody's OnlyFans page or whatever, or I pay somebody, like they're doing what I say and I know that they're doing what I say, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea with phone sex is I'm only pretending. Yeah. And so I feel like that is part of what you were getting at in terms of could I do this job or not? Because if we're talking about doing sex work on camera, 
I think people are very clear about sure I could or no, I couldn't. Right. But a phone sex operator to, to do that is to be like you are spinning a story that Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily true. Right. That it wasn't that always the stereotype, like of the woman moaning. Oh yes. Yes. And then secretly she's ironing. Yes. Right. Exactly. And yet I think we're at the point now where phone sex to your point, you buy into the fact that there is an artifice there. I have to assume, right? Because why then would you even want phone sex as opposed to other more authenticatable um, avenues, right? I I guess there wasn't anything in that piece about the demographics of who's calling, but honestly, who calls anybody anymore? Well, I... I wonder whether or not we're talking about this right now because lots of people are calling a lot of people a lot more now, right? Especially over the last six months or so. In terms of connection. In terms of connection. That's right. And so um, we are talking about people who do this for a living and are talking about the ups and downs of their job, but also the skill level required. I loved this sentence. I, I was like, uh, quote, given the quantity and high churn rate of operators, phone sex companies don't invest in training, which means most women and most operators are women, learn on the job. So uh, one of the operators that are inter- is interviewed says, quote, if you don't know the art of keeping a man on the phone, you're going to get hung up on all the time. That hooked me. What is the art of keeping someone on the phone? Do I have it? Do you have it? It's not just about a moan. No, I don't think it's about a moan at all. I mean, like, let's be, this is part of what people mean when they say sex work is work, right? That this is what the work is, is, and this goes along with that sort of, uh, you know, stereotype that we hear of. Most of the time, people want companionship. People want to be listened to, right? Yeah. Um, I guess if you are paying attention, somebody who's willing to pay for sex work will tell you anything that you want to know, right? About how to please them, about how to keep them. So I guess it has to be about asking questions. Fair? It, Yeah. And also that to your original point, that buy-in that I can be anyone, literally. You know, when it's on OnlyFans, I can't be anyone. But on the phone sex thing, I can be, I can be Crystal and I can be asking to talk to Mark. And Mark can be an astronaut. Mark can be a gardener. And Crystal can be a physicist. And both of you agree that you will role play this together. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, or, or the idea that you can create that situation in the moment, right? That you don't have to go searching for your perfect person. Well, she says phone sex is all about using your imagination. And that's the key to what you were saying earlier. It is storytelling. Right. But you also said that's the part of it that, that is associated with scam. Like, yeah. It, it, I think what is considered to be fraught about it is not that it is about sex work or that people have needs. It's in that idea of playing with, I really am this. You really could desire this or not. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
So what do you think is the key to keeping somebody on the phone? And I assume that they're being, you know, that they probably have researchers speaking anecdotally about men and women and males and females. But uh, it'd be interesting to know who's taking, who's, you know, participating in what seems like kind of a throwback method. So I agree here with what they say that, quote, it's a form of therapy and a lot of her clients, you know, just kind of want to talk to somebody about their kids and they, you know, they're stuck at home for days and days and weeks and they just want to have somebody to talk to that isn't their spouse or their kids and escape into a fantasy. So 100% it's being a good listener as basic bitch as that sounds. No, no, but I think that's hard, yeah. one of those things that's harder than it seems, right? Yes. Being a good listener and then using that those good listening skills to then be a storyteller or a story co-teller because th- that's what the phone sex relationship quotes is, is that you are building a story together with the person on the other line. What would we do? Where would we go? Oh, we would go here? Great. I take what you give me there and I would say, this is what we're going to do when we get there. And when we get there, then I'm going to look at you like this. Well, I mean, look, this is where I I like the article that you sent, but this is where I could have used 18,000 more details because what you're describing is arguably the least sexy thing on earth. What you're describing is improv. Like literally second city improv training, right? Oh, right. you're giving me this? Okay, yes, and I'm adding to it. Oh, and what if I do this? And then you react like that? Oh, okay, now I'm listening. Now I'm yes, anding again. It literally is like if you felt erotic feelings from Middle Ditch and Schwartz, that's why. Because it's basically the same technique. Um, and they build it in the moment, right? And then it's all like gone and you kind of toss it out. So who is sapping on these on these lines? What, I, I get the woman who said, oh, you get on-the-job training, but there must be some sort of metric, even if it's anecdotal, for personal aptitude, right? It's mm-hmm. the least, uh, you know, it's the least engaged in terms of, like, personal safety. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that it remains anonymous, so the bar for entry must be fairly broad just to mangle a metaphor like I w- I could have used so much more who's still using the phone I'm still back on that I'm sorry well I mean as she said like lots of people she's making tons of money this one woman said I love corona because it's put a lot of money in people's pockets especially mine I mean this business is booming um and it, well, to me it makes sense you keep saying who's using the phone and yet as we've seen especially over the last six weeks, nostalgia is strong. Oh, I think definitely nostalgia is strong. I think um, I wrote on the site a couple of uh, days ago about that. That's what is fueling uh, the joy of those twins. Um, Twins, the new trend who listen to music videos. It's all about getting to feel young through their eyes, right? Getting to experience new things through their eyes. And I don't, I don't, um, yeah, it just hasn't added up to me, like, logistically. The, I understand the need for, like, connection, as, and particularly sexual connection, because that's not an option people have as much right now, is at a premium. Um, and human connection, like, for example, in the cut a few months ago, when they were talking about how people were 
responding to the pandemic, um, there were people talking about providing, and I quote, pro bono virtual dominatrix services for first responders. Like, and that was to me a demographic so narrow and so specific that I understood it completely. Right. Yeah. If you are uh, a first responder, this is the particular like type of relief or release that you need. I will uh-huh. do that for you safely, virtually pro bono, because that is how I'm contributing. Like it's kind of beautiful and like communist, I guess, in the best way possible. Right. But there's something so it's not just about using the phone. It's something so analog Um the phone sex part of it. I guess it's about surprise, right? It's about not necessarily knowing who you're going to get as opposed yeah. to logging on to the, the channels of people who you've saved and curated and like tailored to your personality. It's yeah, it's kind of hilariously ad hoc. Also the practical side of it, you're less likely to get caught Oh, exponentially. On so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Although, there is the practical the practical side of that is 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 there. Although that's not who I think is. I mean, people have all kinds of difficult living situations these days, but that's not who I assume is is reaching out for these connections. I've been thinking about the number of people who have been struck by living alone, like being isolated as opposed to people who are escaping from uh, the closeness of their family and friends, but that's fascinating. Right. Well, okay, uh, yeah. So- I mean, in this in this piece, they, they she says her clients are, tend to be married white middle aged professionals. So think about it so- in the house, in the apartment, or whatever. Anyway, okay. So back to what we were saying about what this job is. It's a co storyteller or a two hander. Yeah, not not unlike improv. No, which means and when we're talking about storytellers writers might be good at this actors obviously totally yeah it's it's improvisation it's rolling with the punches right it's probably on some level it's faking being engaged even if you're not um and i guess like the other part of it to me and this is where i this is why i keep asking it because maybe my ideas of phone sex are so antiquated, but it seems as though each time you call, you might be getting somebody different, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that thing of building a relationship with somebody. So you are almost building and improvising those, those relationships on top of everything else, right? Like I would imagine maybe sometimes, I don't know, you can get regulars. I don't know. Like, listen, I haven't investigated how it works. Um, I know that if I were to do it, I would want some regulars because that would be an interesting thing to slip into the, you know, chapter two. I was just going to story. I was going to use the (laughs) the chapter euphemism, right? It's like reading a chapter of a book every night at bed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It would be super interesting, but I bet too. I mean, you know, then immediately you go to the work log of what if he calls after eight months and like you're flipping through your notebook pages trying to get back to what that scenario was. Um, That'd be, you know, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. So I was curious about this. Like this article made me curious about wanting to try it. Okay. um, To see if I'd be any good at it. And not because I, I mean, I'm married happily. And I don't consider this obvious, like anything inappropriate. It would just be like 
could I, it was that sentence that she said, most phone sex calls are around eight minutes long. This woman claims hers hover at around two hours. I'd like to know, like, I'm just curious from a storytelling slash performance standpoint, if I could participate in that and make it go longer than eight minutes and how much longer. Okay. So I'm not sure if you're like gearing up to audition to to phone sex us here right now, or if you're just (laughs) proposing like doing an investigative field experiment, I'm into both, whichever is on offer. I, I think we should do either. But what I'm wondering is like, okay, give me what are the qualities that you think would make you good at this? And what are the the qualities that would make you not so good? Like, where is the hesitance and indecision coming in here for you? Okay, so what would make me good at it, I think, is curiosity. Uh Uh-huh. So it's um, because I, I think that and listen, and this is coming from a place of me right now who I am right now and the security I have right now, if I were to do this, it really would be a hobby. And so I would have the time to be curious, to, why to you, start why slowly. You, like training wheels this so much. What do you mean? What do you, what do you get again? Well, I do. I think that people, I don't know how it works, but I, uh, people out there have a different mental capacity. Like, you know, in order to be a good story co-teller or a, a, a story builder, you need a little bit of patience. You need a little bit of like, not that much anxiety. I don't feel anxious about this at all. So already I'm coming into this with a, from a place of, oh, I'm good. I'm chill. I'm ready. I'm patient. I can. Right. Cause you don't feel stakes. You feel like there's another That's caller, right. Right. That's right. I mean, that's right. That's a side. Uh, I don't want to get away from your skills, but I think that's a side conversation, right? If let's say you sign up with this service, I have no idea how it works. Um, are you just chilling at home and then like a phone call rings from a certain number? And so, you know, that it's routed through the company. Like, are you actually in the middle of watching Veep reruns and then you have to go into sex mode? Maybe. Right. And so, okay. And yeah, I can see how that would appeal to you. And so in those moments, you immediately are like, all right, am I doing, um, you know, is this, uh, I don't know, like a, what brand of fantasy or is this like a thousands year old like uh, caveman epic and we're doing clan of the cave bear up in here oh well i don't know i think part of the skill is in the first few moments you have to figure out who you're dealing with and no, what they yeah, want that's what i'm right? saying i think i can see how that would appeal to you okay so good yes so curiosity uh-huh. and i think that at least i feel like i have that gene in me where I'm challenged enough to figure, to want to figure out, oh, Mark, are you, are you going to want to see Crystal? Are you going to want to talk to Juliet today? You know what I mean? So there's that. Uh Um, I, where I think that I would stumble is I am, I feel like ironically, even though the operator's voice is judged, I have, like, I judge voices too. And I worry that I wouldn't be able to bring my A game if I didn't like the person's voice. If something about the person's voice was like, I was not having. Right. I mean, I buy that for sure. Um, But also tough luck for you. Like, that's your job, right? You have to kind of pull them out, I suppose. Yeah. I'd have to overcome that. And I have very little patience. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yes. 
I mean, yeah, I think that to me is the worry, right? Is sitting there on the phone going boring. That is the challenge is to not go, oh, wow, that sounds great. Go on. Like to actually sound interested in what may, may be painfully boring, right? Yes. You have to sit there and weave. Um, you, you remember speaking of uh, like throwback watches, and this is an desperately inappropriate uh, comparison. But do you remember The Princess Bride? Mm-hmm. And Peter Falk uh, continues to tell the story to his grandson, right? It was like, this <laughs> right. sucks. I'm bored, yeah. which is kind of part of the charm. And of course, it turns out to be an amazing story, right? But yes. imagine that you are weaving some sort of like fictional fantasy sexual chemistry something and also somebody's on the other end going like do better get to the leprechauns like I don't know that I don't know if if you're gonna love that well and I do uh, yeah I do think that that would be if I was doing it consistently that would be something I would have to overcome and that is definitely for the people whose career this is or whose job this is, that's like a job hazard. That's a downside of the job. That's what you have to listen to maybe boring people all day long. People you didn't go like who people who you're bringing the creativity and they're not, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, you know, we, we know that jobs are, I guess this is the part of it. That's interesting to me. We know that jobs are, they drain you, right? Like that's sort of their job. Um, they, I, I, anyway, that's, but, but giving to somebody, this goes back to the sort of fantasy idea, giving to somebody in a way, if I think there are a lot of online, like sex workers or people who post pictures or cam girls or whatnot, who would say, I also get something back, right? Like I get energized. I get interactions with people. I blah, blah, blah. And I feel as though, and I could be wrong, God knows, please correct me. I feel as though the point of old school phone sex is that the idea that the operator gets none of that, right? That they are just, they disappear into the night. True? Or is that your perception? That, yes, that is my perception. Right. So that's a thing also, like even in the most successful of calls, um, as soon as they're done, they hang up, right? Like they're not going to wait for you to get into like the story of what happened with at the garden center last week. <laughs> yeah. They're done. And they're mean, gone. Meanwhile, you're like, wait, I have so much more to say. Yeah. I want to tell you this other thing. <laughs> oh, and did I ever tell you about this thing that happened to me when I was 25? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's one-sided, right? So I think that people who, I think it could be a false premise, I guess is what I'm saying. People like you and like me who like people, like interacting with people, I think could be fooled into thinking, oh, this is good. I can do this because it is an, an interaction with another human. Um, when in fact, it's it's not exactly. It's like being a live action audiobook. I think that what is, you're right. And, and there is where the Venn is, where this is applicable you know, that mismatch in creativity or energy is applicable to any writer, like writer's room or any creative environment where you're working with someone who isn't bringing it uh, with you. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, <laughs> Listen to true. the groan that you just made, right? Where you are like throwing all kinds of amazing ideas against the wall and the other person's on the line is just like, 
Okay. You know, it's funny. Like, I I think you know this, but maybe I haven't said this on this podcast. I am a terrible athlete, right? Like, I'm okay. I am passable at individual workout style, like, movement, but I am not a good athlete, mostly because I don't know the rules, but also because I don't have good reaction time. And I think that the writing room or a phone sex chat or a baseball field I'm learning, we're talking about the same thing, right? Somebody who lets the ball fall every time. And I understand the frustration of the people who had to play sports with me um, because I just didn't have it to to keep that momentum going. I don't have that capacity. Or if I do, I, I was never motivated to. Like to really extend the metaphor, I guess I never met the 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 operator who would who would keep me on the phone or on the like middle school baseball field for two hours, right? But it's yeah, yeah you're right. It's you want somebody to play back and forth with you. Um, but this might not be that, I guess, is the thing. Yeah, and I I guess but maybe that it is. is- maybe it is. I think that those were all the things that were going through my mind as I was reading this article, which isn't long about what is the responsibility. I mean, a lot of people would say, I'm the client. I'm the one paying 95 cents a minute to get this story. And yet, I guess with any, if it's a story and if you're creating that experience together, no matter if you're getting paid or you're the one paying, everybody has to participate. Well, because we go back to This is my fucking thesis for this whole thing. Who is calling? Because if you wanted something where you were the client and I'm the one paying 95 cents a minute, you can go places where your every need will be catered to, right? There's something about what people are paying for that involves having some of it be out of their hands, right? Yes. Some parts of the decisions or the scenarios or even the voice of who you're talking to, uh, to be a surprise. That's kind of what we're getting at here. Um, So I wonder whether or not the people who do do the phone sex are willing to work a little harder? Or, sure, or whether the clientele self-selects into somebody who wants to be drawn out a little bit more, right? Like, I think there are stereotypes about watching porn, for example. I think the average person, if you Google the numbers for how long somebody stays on Pornhub or whatnot, it's something real short. It's like six and a half minutes, right? Right. Um, So obviously people who are choosing a phone sex kind of experience or even I guess like there are those like masturbation parties, like online parties or whatever they're called, um, they're choosing things that are less predictable. Um, so like, again, there's a demographic question here. I feel like I sound like a data miner, but I'm very curious. I'm very interested in like, yeah, who they are, but also what would they say they're looking for? I mean, the, the side of this research that, that will work best is for you to call as a client. For me to call as a client. As a customer. Yeah. Yeah. As a customer and see what kind of service I get. That's right. And what's expected of me as a client. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. Beyond just like my credit card. That's right. Yeah. Is it how much of a participant are you? How is it being, how is it pulling you down the road? I need to hear from some people too. Like if you've ever done it, we'll keep you anonymous. If you have worked in this 
field or if you have been a client, let us know what is the work involved in on both sides. It's because so it just seems like it's it's yeah, it's it's way more active than just pull, going to Pornhub and like typing in your kink in the search field and hitting play. And at the same time, it's not, you know, we've all heard from lots of interviews with uh, exotic dancers or, uh, you know, people who work in in sex clubs of various kinds. Like that's very, they're very straightforward about what works, what doesn't. We all watch Hustlers. So, um, but this, this is a weird gray zone. Yeah. If there are people who know people, tell us, uh, you know, packages up and tell us it's about your cousin, Emily. But uh, yeah, would love to know what, what are the experiences or who are the experiences? Because here it is. Final thought. People are horny. Like it is the horny content and the horniness generally. I maybe it's where the spaces that we're taking up digitally and online right now, you and I, like it is everywhere in front of me. Like in in my wherever I go, be it where my Korean drama like watchers are and the chat rooms that they're in to WAP to whatever. There's horniness and now there is like, well, there always has been, but the interesting work conversations to address the horniness, to assess the horniness and to relieve the horniness is becoming a super, super interesting facet of work that I think is just only going to get louder. Well, and, but you know, what's interesting, like we could easily stop there, but there's one more facet that's so fascinating. And that is, I think people are horny or saying they're horny because it's now a biological function. Like we're down to talking with each other about all of our like daily body realities. Do you know what I mean? People are, I bet plumbers are experiencing an uptick in business too. Cause like people are home more, the toilets are getting more of an, of a workout. Um, everybody talks about recipes and things. I, I think there's that kind of thing. Like I agree that there's more horny content, but it's almost presented with a shrug. There's not much titillating about any of the stuff we're talking about these days. It's just people going, I don't know what you got over there. What do you got over there? Like, what are you doing? I'm doing this. Okay, let's try that. Like, it's very prosaic and matter of fact. Yes? A little bit. Uh, Maybe because everybody is horny at the same time. It's so normalized. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're not unique for being super horny right now. Me too. Ah, Me too. Well, that's it. You know, there are publications, uh, probably at the cut among them that refer to like sex week or whatnot. And it's like, who are we kidding? Like sex week (laughs) is not, it should be like every, you know, everybody's talking about this on a, on a pretty regular basis without it needing to be a special event. And yeah, I I think that has a lot to do with a, a sort of a bigger shift, uh, in terms of what we're up to. So let us know, how has uh, horniness affected your work? Have you done horny work before? What horny are your work? horny That's work ideas, right? Yeah. Like out of this, out of every trend, if you will, if horny is a trend, comes innovation, comes a new business idea. Just as you said, that very, very specific intersection of, uh, you know, several minutes ago, that specific intersection of ideas, oh, that the- is innovation. Right, right. What you were talking about the uh, the pro bono dominatrix work for first responders. Go. Right. Yes, that is a very specific horny relief package. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of this too probably used to get tied up in travel 
right? And tied up in like vacation. And those were the buzzwords that would call up some of this contact content. Yeah. But nobody's ever getting on a plane ever again. Um, like fuck your infinity pool. That's never happening. So yeah, no yeah. trip hookups. You're right. Uh, uh-uh. so what are we doing? Like in the living room kind of thing. Let, Let us, us know. know. Absolutely. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, next, we are going to talk about someone who many of you requested uh, for us to do on Show Your Work, and that is the recent billboard profile on the business of Dolly Parton, the work of Dolly Parton. And it is a great article. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, they get specific about the enterprise of of all the things that Dolly is involved with. Right. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that part of the piece was, um, I think people have long known that Dolly Parton has a lot of business interests, right? I think what's interesting about this article is sort of the the curtain pullback, if you will, about the degrees to which she is or isn't involved in various uh, various parts of those business. Is that fair? I... I don't know. Like this is one of the things I wanted to discuss because I'm not sure that I don't know that there was a pervasive um, fallacy out there that Dolly Parton just signs her name to things. I think that her reputation is such that she owns her masters. She's a very accomplished woman. Like I don't, I'm pretty sure that most people who have an understanding of Dolly Parton weren't thinking that she was someone who wasn't entirely in control. Well, let's maybe further separate that out then, because I think there's a few things at foot, because you and I mostly interact with Dolly Parton on a music level, right? As you say, like lights, lights, rights, licensing, um, and where she will or won't perform, right? The fact that she has written and created standards that you know, get continued and picked up. Um, I mentioned uh, Fred and Tim, the twins on YouTube, like one of their biggest sort of attention-making hits was Jolene, all that stuff, right? Yes. But also you and I don't live in, like you are a person who has dabbled. Is that too light a word um, for your participation in like Elvis culture? Um. (laughs) Dabbled would be light. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) you and I don't really operate in the world that that like engages with Dolly culture, which is to say, and this is me summarizing from early in the article, uh, Dollywood, Um, the there's a a nine to five, nine to five is reimagined as birthday songs. 
They're personalized birthday cards with Amer- with American greetings. And they also I knew sell about the birthday song because someone sent it to me, not on my birthday, but someone sent me a video. Like they went and got a thing where Dolly Parton sang happy birthday to me. Right. <laughs> Which is amazing. Apparently she's, she's partnering, like she's doing Peloton workouts. Um, she's, and this is, I have to read this directly. Um, she's signing a deal for quote, a series of Parton branded goods that kicks off this fall with a line of bakeware and specialty foods for Williams Sonoma and could include everything from cosmetics and clothing to wines and wigs. I mean, guys, it's Williams Sonoma. They're not going to sell wigs, but do you see what I'm saying? Like there's, a lot of product involved mm-hmm. um, with Dolly that you and I wouldn't just just wouldn't encounter. Fair? Right. And I, I fair. And I do think that the whole point of this article was to say that she's increasing her licensing now, like that there is a new push for all of these new lines of products that fit her brand and that she knows that she's not just slapping her face on something. And it is a new segment of Dolly business. Sure. Um, The best part, arguably, of the piece or the best part of the early part of the piece is um, that her her business manager says uh, the only things that are automatically off limits are hard liver, hard liquor and anything sexual. He turns away 90 percent of the opportunities she's offered. He only pursues the ones that have, quote, minimal dolly time and maximum exposure. Well, God. There it is. <laughs> and it's followed by a picture of Dolly Parton literally like basically looking like Christ. Um, it's backlit. It's a floor length white dress with platform shoes. It is, it, it's spectacularly created. That's right. And there's a quote, you know, of somebody saying she is kind of Christ-like. The way people feel about her, the way she behaves, how kind she is, her big heart, all of that. And, you know, the fact that in her 70s now, she's, you know, approaching her 75th birthday, she's experiencing in the last decade or so, another Dolly resurgence, another Dolly sense, if you will. Right. And I have to be honest, I didn't, I met people in my early 20s who had been raised on parents, raising them on Dolly or, and so forth. And I didn't get it yet. I didn't see it at that time or it didn't touch me in the way that I think it's meant to. Like, how often has Dolly Parton played a fairy godmother? I feel like more than zero, right? Yes. She, or at least if she hasn't played one officially in a movie, I feel like anytime she's at an award show and presenting with someone or doing an interview, she naturally slips into that role. So that may be why you see her like that all the time. Yeah. I even wonder if people have said as much. I feel like somewhere Annie Leibovitz has like done a photo shoot of Dolly Parton as a fairy godmother. Like it's that thing. I think that I said a few weeks ago, I think of Lin-Manuel Miranda like Santa Claus. I think for a lot of, lot of people, Dolly Parton is Santa Claus. Uh-huh. I right? agree. I agree. I agree. And that's why the, that's why the food, the Dolly branded food, the Dolly wood, the, the Dolly, yes. like whatever, right? It's, it's anything that she touches and the music happens to be brilliant. Like I think separately from the fairy godmother thing, I think she's an underrated musical 
phenom, genius, genius right? Like yeah. I, I, the reason I hesitate on genius is I always think that geniuses have such a, a temperament that we've never mm-hmm. seen from pro Dolly. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, she is a, she's a gift and she's very upfront about that, I guess. Like, she's like, if that's what I do, if that's what I inspire people, um, then I have a responsibility to do that. Yeah. So, okay. So let's get to it. The big work takeaway for you. I mean, there's so much it's laden with work, 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 but the big thing that you'll always remember from this piece. You know what? I think to me, it is about what she doesn't do. Um, early in the piece, they talk about uh, a revelation that's like 22, 22 years too late now that uh, Dolly Parton was behind Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show. Um, nothing about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it overlaps with Dolly Parton on the surface, right? Except for maybe the underestimated blonde kind of thing. So I love that there are clearly things she's doing only for her, right? Mm. As much as this is like, oh, I'm donating for, you know, I'm giving this to people. I'm giving that to people. Um, There's another quote from her uh, manager that says, you know, we're never tied in for these massive deals we can't get out of. If something does happen, we can take off. Like it's all about flexibility. So to me, it's about clearly she is like maybe at the zenith of actually choosing things that make her happy. That, that was a big one. What about you? What did you like best? I really liked, um, the estate planning, how specific Uh she got about the fact that a lot of the work right now is being set up. Um, and she says she hates it. It's a pain in the ass. She's very clear with the journalist that this is not fun, but that it's something for her that she needs to do. She and her husband have no children. Mm-hmm. So clearly she's thinking about who to leave it to. Uh, number one, who to leave it to. So people aren't fucking fighting and, over her uh, shit. Yes. As we've seen, she wants to be very clear and saying it in an article like this is also quite clever. Because it's leaving a trail of, I'm in, like, I'm in, I'm as sharp as I've ever been. And I am telling you right now via billboard that I am working on my estate planning, that the thing, the document that is going to be released when I'm gone is what I want, where everything goes, who I'm leaving it to, how much they're getting. This is what I have decided. Don't bother fucking contesting it, which I love. Number one. Number two. I I like that she is also in taking on all these new commercial um, opportunities saying, I, yeah, I need to, you know, increase the what's in the bank. I need to keep building on it. And she's thinking about her estate and legacy. Like she's thinking about and making sure that people still know who she is in 20 years, in 30 years, in 50 years, in 100 years. She's saying, I've done some shit. I'm amazing, and you're going to know about me in a hundred years. I'm making sure of it. Okay, so to what end, right? Like, I think there's a lot of work that's happening in the here and now that we could talk about that's interesting, but you're right. What is, is, what we're talking about is all about the future. Um, So 
is that like, what do you think that was always the plan? Is that the, uh, the sort of effect of once you've been this famous for this long, like, you know, they say that her catalog alone is probably worth in the nine figures. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that is, you don't need more money and no matter how good her deal is with William Sonoma, that's not really going to move the needle on that that much, right? No. So what are we doing here? Is it about educating a whole new generation, for example? If you do that, then what? Then, like, is it really longevity? Is that what we're talking about? Just that they're they're going to know my name? What do you think? Because yeah, we it's... don't see her as an ego-driven person. No, I don't think it's about ego in 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 that it's any more egotistical than any other artist. I do think that where ego is concerned, or at least pride comes in, is this is art. These are songs. This is blood, sweat, and tears, chords, notes um, that you want people to hear forever in the spirit where you wanted it to be heard. And I think that's what it is too. It's um, and clearly she's learned from contemporaries and people who are younger than her who have passed on. And she has seen how they immediately lost control because they're no longer around of their own work. And there are many recent examples. We don't have to go into it. Um, and I think that's alluded to. Mm -hmm. It's It's definitely like, it's definitely waved at in the piece. And I think for her, the learning from those situations is that's not going to happen to me. I have, I take too much pride in what I've built to just have no control, even from, you know, beyond this, this physical space that I occupy. I need to have some sort of control over that. Yeah. But maybe the reason that I'm just sort of having trouble parsing it is that usually the people who speak the way you just spoke about these notes and these chords to experience them the way that they're meant to be, those people are not usually also pragmatic people. Like, I think what we were sort of talking about at the beginning is this is and always has been a businesswoman, right? So yeah. is it like, again, I come back to the idea of privilege and not just because her, you know, her quote about, uh, of course, black lives matter is some, is one of the most famous to come out mm -hmm. of this, this piece. Right. Yeah. Um, is she like, it, did Dolly Parton kind of nail it? Is she the one we've seen? I keep thinking of like Bill and Melinda Gates, right. To choose a semi non-toxic example. They were the kind of people, or Warren Buffett maybe, the kind of people who had so much money that they are starting to build their legacy while they're still alive, right? They're starting mm -hmm. to build their impact yeah. while they're still here to do so. Is yeah. Dolly Parton just like the zenith of success such that she is the one who, you know, made all the money, didn't have kids to like... Uh, otherwise think about or concentrate on or whatnot. Um, you know, it says, oh, she's had three or four career resurgences, but she never really Went dropped away, away right? Yeah. Like she's never had a, a blue period or a period where she wasn't selling. Is she just the most successful? Is Dolly Parton Oprah? <laughs> I, 
listen, I don't, as, as this piece points out, there hasn't been anyone else. Like she's not modeling after anyone else. Nope. It's true. And the success of, of being around for all these decades and having a hit in all those decades means that for sure she is an outlier. She is unique. Um, no one's ever done it before. So yeah, she did. She, it's her map. You know, we were talking about somebody a little while back, uh, you and I offline, uh, somebody who's a big deal. And you said, I just don't buy it. And I think when I read an article like this about Dolly Parton, I want to look and see, do I buy it? I keep looking at the, the aw shucks answers and the alleged authenticity and going, do I buy this? And let's say that I think I do. It it sounds authentic. I'm sure it's not all of who Dolly is, but it sounds authentic. How do you think she hung on to the authentic all this time? Oh. Like, honestly, from a business perspective, I'm not even talking about in her personal life or with her family or husband or whatever. But if if being this clear-headed is important to her career. If it's part of why we're talking about nine figures and it seems that way, then which, how did those two things Venn diagram? How did those overlap? I think that maybe one of the answers is that she wasn't thinking about being authentic. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. I think you're right. Like, you know, when Dolly was out here in the seventies, the sixties, seventies, no, that word isn't <laughs> the word authentic has been overused now anyway. Right. So it wasn't about like, how can I be more authentic? It was just like, hi, I'm Dolly. Well, and I guess too, like we've forgotten that her hair and her body were a punchline for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and she sort of just kept on trucking. Like uh, she almost in my memory, she didn't react to people having an opinion about her hair or her body, period. I'm sure that's too simplistic, but she was just sort of like, yeah, I can't pretend not to not, you know, I, there's a line from a book that I read and I, the book itself is gone. I have no idea. It must've been something show busy, but somebody had to get a height, like a lighting thing for Dolly and they had to call her camp and the camp comes, the call comes back and it says, uh, Dolly is five foot three in hair and heels. And that quote has stayed with me forever. <laughs> Meaning like for your purposes, whoever you are, professional person, that's all you need to know. She's never going to be anything else to you. She will <laughs> always be in hair and heels. So the end. <laughs> yeah. And listen, because she's Dolly, this has been written about, this has been talked about when we talk about authenticity as she is the first to point out, a lot of what you see, literally, the visual, is not authentic at all. Right. But she <laughs> called that out before anybody else did, right? And that's what makes you trust a person. That's right. And and she's the one who will tell you, like, this is what I did with my wigs. Like, she jimmied. Her whole microphone wig thing is the, the greatest. I love it. I, I can't remember when we talked about this, but she does a thing where... You know, she didn't want her mic packs or whatnot to be a fucking up with the outfit. So what does Dolly do? She was like, build me something that I can tuck into the wig. Why isn't everybody tucking their shit into the wig? 
Right. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's part of it, right? Because you, uh, because she's allowed to demand that kind of thing, which brings me back to like, imagine the freedom of being Dolly Parton of going, I kind of have it. I kind of know what I'm doing. So I'm going to use all my energy. Like, I don't think people often say Dolly Parton has released and also ran a fine, okay record, right? I mean, how much is legend and how much is, is, but you know what I mean? Like, it's rare that people go, eh, this is just fine. She's usually doing everything, including hiding a mic pack in her hair to surpass herself or else, right? And you know what I also find fascinating, even though this seems superficial, but I don't think it is, is where celebrities are concerned a lot of times, especially now. We're very curious about what they look like when it's all stripped away. Uh Uh-huh. Nobody gives a shit. Like, I don't think there's anybody out there who wants to know what Dolly looks like without her wig on. She would obviously never let us. But that's not even the point anymore. Do you want to... Right. Exactly. Do you want to see her not in heels? Do you want to see her in a fucking leisure? No. Well, I think the thing about that, maybe that's part of the myth. Now I'm really warming up to this. I wish I was taking some sort of like uh, critical lit class because I could dress Dolly up at, like I could I could really get into like a 12 page paper here. Let's go back to Dolly as Santa Claus, right? The yeah. whole thing about Santa Claus is there's always that wink, wink thing of like who's under the beard and the glasses and the big suit, right? It could right. be anybody, right? But yeah. we don't want to see the guy uh-uh. under the suit. You want to see Santa, right? And or we there's all these things about people playing Santa and so forth. Similarly, if Dolly Parton washes her hair, takes off her wig and all that makeup, I'm not going to recognize her, right? She's five foot three in hair and heels. That means that if some sort of like five foot nothing woman in a bun pushes past me at the grocery store, I'm not going to even notice, right? Dolly Parton can walk among us in plain sight slash we all can be Dolly Parton. Not interested. Pass. No, thank you. What do you mean? I don't want to. I don't want to. We all can be Dolly Parton. But I think that's the I get that. But I think that's what's being sold that the whole um, maybe not can be Dolly, but can channel Dolly. You can have a little wee Dolly on your shoulder. Um, I think that's what all the greeting cards are about. I think that's what all the Dollywood is about is like, take a little bit of Dolly with you on your way. It's like a a radio sign off. Um, I, I'm taking a lot of words to say, yes, I think you're right. I think the costume is part of the mythology. Yes. And I, I think that's, what's so interesting. If we go back to the word authenticity, I, I already see from Dolly, all the authenticity that I need (laughs) underneath the wig, the eyelashes, the sequins, the belts, and the shoes. Yeah. And yet it's not all necessarily campy, right? For example, I'm looking up as we're speaking, I'm looking up her um, IMDB uh, as an actor only, right? Uh, So uh, here's She has a lot of, of course, appearing as herself, including as an angel in Christmas on the Square, 
uh, not to be confused with Christmas as Do- Christmas at Dollywood. There's a ton of Christmas movies here. So, you know, the Santa Claus thing is, is quite uh, intact and or it was probably already in my memory. Um, but I'm thinking about like when she's on the magic school bus or uh, when she was in. Uh, well, this is where it's all coming from, actually. Look at this. Uh, on Designing Women, she played Dolly Parton, Guardian movie star. She plays a lot of uh, angels in um, in all these Christmas movies uh, or, you know, Aunt Dolly in Hannah Montana. She plays herself on The Simpsons. Uh, she was in Miss Congeniality, too. She appeared on Reba. She appeared in a project called The Year Dolly Parton Was My Mom. Um, Ghost of Christmas Past in Dollywood's A Christmas Carol. So she is mythologizing herself for sure. Um, But even when she is in movies like Joyful Noise, which starred my girl Kiki Palmer and Queen Uh Latifah, and I dare any of you to, like, look, it's a terrible movie, but I loved it anyway. She's being Dolly Parton, but she's never mugging. She's never like, look at me over here collecting a paycheck. She's just sort of like, yeah, I show up. I do what I do. Like, she's not trying that hard. That's what it is. She's not shoving Dolly Parton down your throat, really, ironically. As as her manager said, minimum expert, maximum exposure. It's amazing. And where are you going to get more exposure than in a Christmas movie? Seriously, there are dozens here. It's You could make an entire December just out of watching Dolly Parton's Christmas movies. But you know what's also great? Like with the work thing, uh, you know, minimum effort, maximum exposure is, listen, that's the dream for everyone and certainly a lot of celebrities. But the minimum effort looks like minimum effort from everybody else. When the minimum effort is delivered by Dolly, it actually looks like maximum or very strong effort in addition to maximum exposure. Because I think she knows what's up. Look, I think, again, third time, Dolly Parton is a musical genius, right? But I think we could all point to a lot of musical geniuses who don't go and engage with people, right? Who don't go... I think Dolly Parton gives everybody a lot of her time and attention when she's there. And you're so to go back to, is she the greatest? Is she the best? Is she Oprah? Like it is there. It is such a, like a, a unique space that she operates in that she occupies. It's, and I, God, I would be fascinated. I want a case study. I want like a documentary, like a work focused documentary. I want all of that. Right. And, you know, ordinarily, I think there could be an out to a segment like this or a piece if we were writing this that would be like to consider whether Dolly Parton is the best ever is to miss the point. And you should just ignore in you should just enjoy her, whatever. Right. I, I could see something like that happening. I could write that myself. But she's asking us to consider it. All this stuff about a legacy and knowing as well as anybody else we ever talk about, about how to craft a story in a piece like Billboard. She's asking us to ask these questions. And I think it might be like just kind of super hardcore feminist, just like I'm writing my story, get on board. It's exciting. <sighs> yeah. How could we possibly not be excited? Like, I mean, there's just, again, so very few people are as unpolarizing 
but not boring. Yeah, it's a good distinction, right? Because a lot of people are unpolarizing because they refuse to take positions and she's not that and she's never been that, right? Um, right. It, it's not, I don't think anybody's surprised that Dolly Parton came out like vocally and unequivocally in support of Black Lives Matter. I'm sure there are people who would say, why wasn't it sooner or whatever. But, you know, she was out in front for, um, you know, awareness and equal treatment for AIDS victims when there were millions of people who wouldn't touch it. Right. Like uh, for so many things long ago, she's she's been loud and out front. Yes, totally. So. So it's it, it's like, I again, I keep on saying it's such a rare, a rare position to be in, to be unpolarizing, but also unboring and risky, but safe. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I think probably she has a an encyclopedic uh, computer chip in her mind of what does and doesn't press the outer limits of her fan base. And I think she probably knows her fan base is a fuck ton more broad than Mm -hmm. people would give her credit for. Right. Which they address in the piece where, you know, you can have a queer kid, you can have a traditionalist, you can have people of color. You, everybody is Dolly for fuck's sake. She played Glastonbury. (laughs) I, it's amazing. It's yeah, it really is. <laughs> and she is shared generationally in a way that I think few artists are, mm-hmm. right? Like I think she was passed down unironically in a way that few artists are, especially not without like the scars of 2020 catching up, right? Yeah. So is this now the time when we put it out there? Um I feel like if we don't, we're still going to get the letters. Tell us if you know, what is the thing? What is the key? What is the magic that when you can't stand your family that you can all unite over Dolly Parton? Um, what uh, what turned you on to her when you had written her off in one way or another? Like, keep it coming. Let us know what you think. And if you have your own Dolly stories because you are like a Dolly disciple, you've been to Dollywood, you've been to the show, you have been, you've seen Santa Claus. Let us know that too. And just keep sending us your general work questions. Thanks for the suggestion. And while the request to talk about Dolly, we uh, we always welcome your requests. So let us know. Keep those coming. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and leave comments and reviews. We have been enjoying this summer season of Show Your Work so much, and the stuff you guys are sending is amazing. We're going to be reading more letters again soon, so if there's anything on any topic that you want us to hear, hit us up. Uh, That's coming your way in a little while. And until then, you know what? Like, lie on your couch, enjoy yourself. Work hard. We'll be back soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.